Spring 2020 brings exclusive editions of Jesus Always and Jesus Calling to your local Sam's Club. Featuring a leather soft cover with comfortable print size and written out Bible verses. Find these exclusive editions of Jesus Always and Jesus Calling at your local Sam's Club today. You know, I want to say it is a absolutely life-changing experience to shift your paradigm to the idea that God wants to restore me. He wants to restore all of me. He wants to restore my heart, my soul, all that my personality. He wants to heal me back to the person that he had in mind when he created me. Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Our guests this week have come to know God as a restorer and want people to have a more intimate relationship with Him. Authors and founders of Ransomed Heart Ministries, John and Stacey Eldridge, and authors Chris and Emily Norton. First up, we talk with John and Stacey Eldridge about what it truly means to be restored. The Eldridges believe that when you bring the heart back into focus, you're bringing it back to the center of the faith experience, which helps people find the healing ministry of Jesus amidst their brokenness. Hi, we are John and Stacy Eldridge, and we are authors. We also run a ministry called Ransomed Heart, which is devoted to the recovery of our hearts as men and women in the love of God. Ransomed Heart Ministries grew out of our books, mm-hmm. Captivating, Wild at Heart, and now 16 other books, um, devotionals that we've written. And one of the things we've discovered living here, it's, um, this is a very post-church era in the world. People's denominational ties and, and local church ties are not as strong, maybe, as they once were. Um, a lot of people get their faith experiences online or through podcasts, things like that. And we find that as a parachurch ministry, we're able to come alongside the church and help catch a lot of those people who don't have a context right now to experience God and hear the Word of God preached. Coming alongside and helping and, and offering something that the local body can't with a, a message that completely goes along with what churches are teaching, but provides an intimate encounter, a place where they can hear the voice of God, and more instruction to go deeper. You can only hear certain things, and we've got a lot of teaching that we want to impart to people. One of our heart's deepest passions is to help people come into an intimate relationship with Jesus, with their Father, God, and with the Holy Spirit. And it's really been remarkable to us over the years, people who come to our conferences, come to our retreats, people who've been raised in the church or, or have spent many, many years in a, in a faith context who don't have a personal life with God. They've never heard God speak to them. They've never experienced the healing love of God into their own story and into their own hearts. And so, you know, we've got a pretty bold statement when we say we really want to change the way people perceive Christianity because it's not a religion, right? It is a deep healing connection with our Father, with Jesus, and with the Holy Spirit. As a therapist over the years, I've counseled a lot of people who have been very frustrated with their Christian experience because they tried. They checked all the boxes. They went to Sunday school. They showed up for the potlucks. They served on the committees, right? They, they volunteered for everything they could volunteer for, and yet they didn't, 
didn't find that deeper life with God they were looking for. And, and so let's reframe that for a moment. Jesus says, I no longer call you servants. I call you my friends, right? So think about how you would live your life with a friend. It's heart to heart. Yeah. It's life to life. It's full of honesty, right? right? And not yeah. having to fake it and pretend. It's not about getting your act together. It's about a shared life experience in and through the day-to-days, in parenting, yes. at work, right? In the good times and in the hard times. We want to reframe life with Jesus as something that's actually not primarily lived in religious boxes, but it's something that's lived throughout your entire life experience as more and more of your heart becomes more and more connected to His heart, right? right? Oh, absolutely. Sometimes along our Christian journey, we can get confused about Christianity and what it's all about. The invitation of Christianity is not to be a moral person. Jesus didn't move heaven and earth so that we would be good boys and girls or that we would obey Him. The goal of Christianity is restoration. That's why Jesus came, to give us back our hearts and then to release us to be the men and women that He created us to be. So restoration is really the goal. One of Jesus' favorite passages in all of Scripture is Isaiah 61 because it's the passage that he quotes in Luke chapter 4 when he announces his ministry. He's come out of the wilderness, he's been baptized by John, and now it's going to start. Now these three public years are beginning, and here's what he quotes. He says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to do these things, and these things are to heal the brokenhearted and to set the captives free. And it is absolutely, utterly transforming in a person's life and in their story and in their relationship with God when you bring the heart back into focus. You bring the heart back into the center, right, of their faith experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so what we're about primarily is helping people find the healing ministry of Jesus into the broken and wounded and just lost places of their heart and then also into those places of bondage and captivity as well. And one of the ways that we sneak into the heart is by uncovering what do you want? What are the desires of a person's heart? The desire for intimacy, for adventure, for beauty. And, And that really uncovers the way that we bear the image of God and also the places where we've been wounded. So we kind of, we use that. We use a lot of story to get to the heart. And, and then, like Jesus uses story to get to the human heart, and then to bring his ministry there. This year, I released a devotional called Restoration Year. It's a 365-day daily reading, prayer, reflection experience designed around seeking restoration in our lives, because th- this is the key. I wanted to create an experience where over the course of a year, through prayer and scripture and readings and good questions, the reader would actually experience genuine levels of restoration. Now, again, we're not after perfection and we're not trying to set some, you know, high bar here, but that you shall know them by their fruit is one of the most beautiful descriptions Jesus 
gave us to judge anything, judge a book, a church, a conference, uh, you know, a worship group. What is the fruit of it? Does it heal the brokenhearted? Does it set the captive free? Because that's what Jesus is up to. And so if it's not doing those things, you do kind of want to look at it and go, well, why not? Why not? Let's get it there. So I love devotionals, and, and obviously Oswald Chambers has been one of my favorites. And Jesus Calling is an absolutely fabulous devotional. I was given Jesus Calling uh, nine years ago, and I keep it with me. I've been reading it almost every day for all of these years. And what is crazy to me is how on a particular day, how it meets me exactly where I am. I, I love how God does that. And so it has brought me encouragement and hope and just reminding me that God is in control, that by turning over to Him my worries, my cares, anxieties, uh, what's going on in my life, that I actually can know His peace, that He's God over all. And then sometimes when I have more time, I I look up the scripture references, and it's just great. I wrote this book, Restoration Year, with a very specific goal, is that if you will in the loving care of Jesus, if you will go back and look at certain things in your story, hopes and dreams that you've abandoned, deep agreements that you've made with the lies that have come against you, shaping experiences in your childhood that may have framed who you are today, and let Christ in, that at the end of the year, you will find that you actually have more of your heart back. Right, right, and he isn't scrapping our original heart. What he's doing and wanting to do is restore that original, glorious, masculine or feminine heart that he created in us. And what we found over 25 years of helping people get their lives back and get their hearts back is that the answers lie back in your story. That there are places where we gave up on hopes and dreams, places that we were wounded, places that things were spoken to us that we made agreements with you know you'll never amount to something or right you're just you're just not as smart as the other kids in the class that you know that's pretty you're not as amazing right these these secrets lie back in our stories and what the devotional restoration year does is through a series of scriptures and reflections and good questions it's, it's letting us go back into the stories of our lives to find those places where we need the healing ministry of Jesus. There is a message that is prevalent in our world today. In fact, I just on Facebook saw this meme and it said, you are enough. And I just wanted to say, no, you're not. Not without God. Not without God. None of us are enough. No, we're not on our own with Jesus or the Holy Spirit living inside of us. But the Holy Spirit is given to us as our counselor and our guide. And apart from him, we don't have one. So there is a push, and it's been around for a long time, with, with self-help books, with having a better life. And there is there is some healing. There's some wisdom. I mean, truth is truth. But you're not going to get the life and the healing that you need and that you're meant to live without an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Right. In Him, we're enough. Because we're meant to live in union with Him, the life of Christ within us pouring out. Then we have life. Yeah. There is a movement in, in the world today that is seeking healing without God. 
And that actually is super troubling to us. We don't think it's possible, and we don't think that God wants the world to operate without him. He, right. he created us for intimacy, he created us for relationship, and we, he created us to need him. I think bottom line, there is no real restoration without union with Jesus Christ, deep integrated union of our life to his vine and branch is the way he yes, described right. it, right? As we talk about Jesus' desire to restore us, I think it's important to note that we won't be fully restored until we're seeing him face to face. This this life is a journey and sanctification is a process. And there's also seasons in our life where it's a more intentional work of God to pursue healing. We're big believers in counseling and, and every tool that's available for us that God has given to us to pursue our healing. And there are times of intensity when things aren't going well, when we can't get out of an addiction that we're trying to break or, or we're just sad We can't get out time. of bed in the morning. We can't get right. out. That's a big clue. Yeah. The offer of Jesus is restoration. But I think it's important to note that um, it's a journey, it's a process, it's a lifelong right. process that we're not going to be all we are meant to be until we are seeing him face to face. Sanctification happens over our lifetime. Now there are seasons of intense work of Christ for healing, like when things aren't going well, when you're depressed. Crisis. Yes, things crisis. Things blow up. There's an addiction that you just don't seem to be able to be free of. Hard times can actually be invitations from our God to pursue deeper healing with Him. And we're not after perfection here. Right. You want to take the pressure of perfection off and say, God is clearly a God of process. Yes. Right? The acorn to the oak tree, the little child to the mature adult. Mm -hmm. God is a God Mm -hmm. of process, and He wants us to cooperate with Him in it. And so things will come up. It's the fight with the spouse. It's I lost my job. It's, wow, I am experiencing enormous amounts of anxiety right now in my life that we think are actually invitations from God. When Jesus says in Revelation, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open the door, I will come in. I think he knocks through our life circumstances. I think he knocks through our heartaches. I think he knocks when we feel lost. And he's saying, will you give me deeper access to your soul? Will you go with me into the unhealed places of your life? I want to meet you there. And then in a process of recovery, it can be absolutely phenomenal. I also think it's really important to note that in order to pursue healing with Christ, you have to be honest about your life. There can be a pressure, particularly in Christianity, that we're supposed to be happy all the time, we're supposed to be joyful all the time, put a happy face on it, but that's not actually what joy means. We can't have healing in a true relationship with Christ if we're living in denial, if we're ignoring what's really going on in our lives. So the invitation is, as well as to be honest with Him and to live an authentic life with Him. Sometimes we don't want to go there, we don't want to cry because we think we'll never stop crying. That's, that's not the truth. We have a friend who understands and wants to walk alongside of us on the journey of restoration. You can find John's book, Restoration Gear, everywhere books are sold. Stay with us for our interview with Chris and Emily Norton after this brief message about the new edition of Jesus Calling, made especially for the Easter season. Motherhood. 
It's a journey like no other, teeming with love, unparalleled dedication, and moments that pierce the very essence of your soul. It's a trek that demands to be celebrated, lauded, and embraced in its entirety. Celebrate the moms in your life this Mother's Day with two beautiful gift books, Jesus Calling for Moms by Sarah Young and Grace for the Moment for Moms by Max Licato. These heartfelt devotionals will remind the moms in your life just how special they are. Jesus Calling for Moms and Grace for the Moment for Moms are available now where all books are sold. During times of transition and unknown next steps, it's more important than ever to cling to the promises of God and to tune your ear to what Jesus has to say. Jesus Calling for Graduates is an encouraging compilation of 150 devotions from Sarah Young's brand. Grads will find topics such as discerning God's will, self-worth, trust, support, and much more. Jesus Calling for Graduates is perfect for both high school and college graduates as they embark on the next chapter. Look for our special custom edition of Jesus Calling for Graduates, available exclusively at faithgateway.com. The Easter season is filled with joy and hope. Now, there's a new way to focus on the holiday with the new book, Jesus Calling for Easter. With 50 Jesus Calling devotions selected just for the Lent and Easter season, Jesus Calling for Easter includes scripture verses alongside breathtaking imagery and exquisite design. Jesus Calling for Easter makes a stunning gift for those who love Jesus Calling and would like a new way to observe the Easter season. To learn more about this beautiful new edition of Jesus Calling, please visit jesuscalling.com books. Motivational speaker Chris Norton has packed more wins and losses, twists and turns into the last 10 years than many do in decades. After a devastating football injury left him paralyzed, Chris promised himself that he would fight the doctor's diagnosis, that he would never move below his neck again. With his family's love and his deep faith, Chris defied doctors and inspired millions as he, with the help of his now wife Emily, walked across the stage at his college graduation, and a few years later, with Emily down the aisle at their wedding. They recount this journey in the book they wrote together called The Seven Longest Yards. My name is Chris Norton. I'm a dad, a father, motivational speaker, now author. And I'm Emily Norton, and yeah, we have five kids that we've adopted, and then we also are foster parents to one little boy right now. Um, but that's our life right now. <laughs> I grew up in a small town in Iowa. I had a great support of parents. I have an older sister, younger sister, and I just love sports. I love competition, and I was always active and doing something, and I just knew I just wanted to continue to play sports. When I got to college and started playing college football, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do for my future, but I wanted to become like an All-American football player, earn a business degree, meet the girl of my dreams, and hopefully someday make enough money to own a lake house. Um, But as the old saying goes, life happens to you while you're making other plans. So on October 16th, 2010, a beautiful fall day, perfect football weather, sixth game of the season. It's in the third quarter. We're mounting a comeback. And on the far right side of the field, uh, the ball is kicked. And I sprint downfield as hard as I can possibly go. And I see this opening forming. And I know that ball carrier is going to try 
running through the hole. Now I'm gonna stop, I'm gonna drive my shoulder so hard through his legs, he's gonna drop the ball. Well, I hit him at full speed, full force, but I mistimed my jump just by a split second. Instead of getting my head in front of the ball carrier, my head collides right with his legs. And in an instant, I lose all feeling and movement from my neck down. I hear the whistle blow, the pile clears, and I could not get up. And no matter how hard I tried, nothing was working. And I'm telling myself, you know, Chris, you gotta get up. And I keep trying to push off the ground, but I just felt like someone just turned the power off to my body. Eventually, the game stopped for me, and I'm just lying there wondering, okay, what's going on? I'll just stay patient. Nothing serious, though, can happen to me. But little did I know that I just suffered a severe spinal cord injury. It was so hard to process because yesterday at that time, I was walking. I was suiting up for my college football game, and then all of a sudden, I'm lying there with a 3% chance of ever moving anything back below my neck. I was numb at first, and then it just, I got angry. I got mad, I just told myself, like, no way, not me. This is not gonna be my life. I'm gonna beat these odds. I don't, I'm not gonna end up like the 97% who don't recover from this. I'll do whatever it takes to be that 3% that do get through it. And so I just went to work I started nodding my head yes and no. That was the only movement I could do, and I just nodded my head yes and no for hours. I looked like a giant bobblehead, just bouncing my head around. And thankfully, I had you know my family, I had my friends, and I had my faith in God. And I just felt like you know I have to keep going. That there's light at the end of the tunnel. That God's gonna take care of me. I just have to keep doing my part. So about three years after Chris's accident, we met, and we actually met online. Well, when Emily, when we first started talking and messaging, I was kind of used to like maybe some like online surface level conversations, but Emily just goes for the deep, hard-hitting questions, um, like you're being interviewed. And <laughs> I really appreciated that because she asked questions that were like, what were you thinking right after surgery when your life was flipped upside down? Like, how do you stay so positive through you know adversity like she just had this natural curiosity and she went beyond that surface level she really wanted to get to know me for who i was and who i am and i had i had looked him up he had a link for his foundation um, that helps other people with disabilities so i i figured that out i was like hey that's pretty cool i was really intrigued to know more about it and it was really cool to see like he was using this injury to help others um, and not just feeling sorry for himself or he didn't become just all about himself because he did have different needs he was dealing with, but he's like, I'm gonna help other people. So that really, really just um, intrigued me and I wanted to get to know him better and just getting to know him, I saw like he is so positive and he's able to just find the good. Even when he struggles, like to move past it, keep going and to find the good in every single day. Um, and then he had a strong faith in God, which was really important to me as well. I knew I, I had to meet her and I'll never forget when we, we found this public meeting spot and just seeing her walk across the street and I'm pretty sure my jaw just dropped and I had to pick it back up and collect myself but uh, she was beautiful and she just focused on my eyes and talking to me. She wasn't um, preoccupied with looking at my hands with the wheelchair, just 
really cared about who I was as a person and I just really appreciated and just felt close to her uh, instantly and had a strong connection and all her morals and values and her faith in God was just really uh, appealing. A seed planted in my heart that you know, I had to walk across the stage of my college graduation. It was right in the beginning of my college career that I got hurt. And so to end it with like this triumphant walk, kind of going from a tragedy to a triumphant moment was just something I felt would be really special. And so I was kind of training for it, training for it. I told Emily about it. And then Emily was just inspired and moved by this goal and really wanted to help me. So she came alongside me. Uh, she pushed me, she helped train me. And then Emily ended up being the one who uh, helped me get across the stage, which made it really special. And to make that weekend even more um, nerve-wracking, I decided that I was going to propose to Emily the day before the graduation walk. I was way more nervous for the proposal than the walk in front of thousands of people. Uh, thankfully, she said yes, otherwise the next day would have been really awkward. <laughs> but it, it worked out for the best, and um, it was just such a, a fun, uh, amazing moment to do that together. After the graduation walk, um, it really hit me hard, this season of depression. Um, I didn't really know what was going on for a long time. I didn't think I could be depressed. I mean, there was nothing bad that happened to me. We were living and had everything we needed, so it didn't make sense, but I was not feeling like myself. And um, slowly, I was just like caring less and less and wanted to sleep more and uh, would just really hit this super dark place where every single day, felt like a huge battle that I was just couldn't get through. Um, it was a very, very challenging time, and I did not want to face what was going on. It made me feel weak, made me feel crazy. Um, and I, so I decided just, you know, I'm just going to push it down, bury it, don't deal with it. And when I would go and I'd pray, that's when it would hit me. I'd cry, and I'm like, I don't like feeling like that. Nope, not going to do it. Um, and, and that did, it turned me away from God and from Chris and from my family. And um, I, I was super stubborn with getting help had this idea that I just had to do it myself. If I couldn't figure it out by myself, I was never going to be okay in life if something bad actually happened. I was very, very naive on mental health and exactly how it works and how it can happen to anybody. Um, but I was stuck in that place for way longer than I needed to because of that. And it was, it was just like the time where I didn't think I'd ever be me again. That only that I always have, have, have been, like I thought she was gone. There was no way she was coming back. And there was no hope that it would ever change. Um, I was in that place where it was like, I don't even know, I didn't know what to do. I was helpless um, of what to do. So I tried to just bury it down. But when I numbed the bad stuff, I numbed the good stuff too. So the love I felt, the compassion, the care, like all of that, the happiness, joy, it went away as well. Um, and again, at the time, I had no idea what was going on. So what changed everything though is we started, we found a church actually came up close to our house and we went back to church. And that was huge, just every Sunday, like putting us ourselves in the church. Uh, there was one message specifically that really spoke to me where the pastor was sharing that, like everyone goes through hard things, but um, there's God will use that for a specific reason or purpose. And then he even mentioned people who are really independent might go through a hard time to realize like you have to depend on God. There's no other choice. And I was like, wait a second, he's talking to me. 
<laughs> like that is so me. I've always been extremely independent. I've wanted to do everything myself, put everything on my shoulders. And so after that, when the pastor shared that, I'm like, okay, like I, I have to learn to depend on God. I've got to start praying again. So I started praying and started giving it to God what was going on. And then I, I knew very clear, like I'm supposed to go get professional help. Like after I was able to like give it to God, give the things that were weighing me down to him, I knew I needed professional help. Like I wasn't going to get it through without medical help. Um, so I, I went, I, I talked to a therapist and was put on medication that changed things completely. And then, so like with that, and then the relationship with God and praying and just continuing to get back to church, like I am way more me than I ever have been. And I was able to get back to that point that I never thought I would um, from all of that. My dreams when I was younger, like from a very, very young age, I had something in my heart that I wanted to adopt kids. When I was in high school, I started mentoring and um, I met a girl named Whitley who ended up being taken away from her mom and placed into foster care. So that's when my eyes were really open to that and realizing like there are these kids in our community, our town that have gone through such hard things and don't know their love, don't know they're special. They don't know who God is and the love that he has for them. And so I was, I was hooked. I just knew like, I want to do this for the rest of my life is be there for these kids. And that's my calling. Eight months after we were married, we adopted a 19 year old Whitley and she was our first foster child. And then after that, in February of 2019, uh, we adopted our four other daughters, and they're a sibling group of four. When uh, we were deciding about whether or not to become first foster parents, and then also then accepting a larger placement to take on five kids, you know, I thought, at first, it's just one child, I thought, there's no way. How in the world can we do this? Like, it just sounded really overwhelming. And, you know, am I capable of doing that? And then we said yes. And then we realized, okay, we can do this. And then we just kept saying yes to a little bit more. Then two kids sounded like a ton of kids, like way too much. But we did it. And we just kept figuring out a way to doing three, four, five. Uh, we had seven, right, at one point. And that's when I, I realized that like you can realize your potential by just taking on more than what you think you can handle. And that's how you can, anyone can figure out their true potential. And so I, I think we're now realizing how much we can take on and how much love that we have to give. And it's just incredible to see the transformation uh, that these kids take place in our home just from being loved and cared about and helping them feel special and that they're safe. Uh, it's been really amazing to witness and it makes it easy to take on more when you can see those kind of transformations and see the relationships with God grow. Right after we accepted our the four girls, the sibling group of four girls, um, I saw online the, the Jesus Calling book for, for kids. Um, and so that was one thing that I ordered right away. And seriously, it got us through, like with our oldest, a few super hard moments, um, and it, it pulled us through that. Um, there was a time where 
you know, she was she was struggling with something and it was getting really upset um, and trying so hard to push me away. She had been hurt by so many people. So she was doing everything in her might to push me away, um, saying mean things, saying she was going to hurt me when she's not violent at all. And I knew she wasn't, but just trying to push me away. And I'm honestly was at a point like, I don't know what I can do to like help her feel better. And it hit me like, we've got to just open the devotional. And I was like, all right, this page right here is going to be for you. I opened it up. And in that page, it said like, when you go through a, such a hard thing, God is holding you and he will strengthen you. And we both start crying. Um, and it was like, and then she let got down her guard and we were able to like get through that moment. And I was, she was able to realize, you know, like I'm here and like, God's going to help her through this super hard time. And so that was honestly like, such a helpful tool um, when when she just first came and we were getting to know each other and helping her feel safe and loved and all of that, um, just really helping get her in her word. And then we had two little kids placed with us and they went back with their mom who we stayed in contact with. Um, she was getting out of a relationship with a, um, a bad relationship and she had to go into a women's shelter with the kids. Um, and that was one thing I brought to her was a devotional, um, the Jesus Calling devotional. And she would tell me like the next day, I couldn't sleep last night, so I was reading the, the devotional. And like this and this and this really hit me. Um, and then she'd be ready to get to work the next day to like go try to find a job again and see what she needs to do for her kids and um, help her know like she's not alone and that God's going to pull her through this time, even though it's so hard. Um, so it's been super helpful in certain moments are those the Jesus Calling books. Opening our home to kids who are in situations at no fault of their own have, has absolutely changed their lives completely. It's the best thing we've ever done. It brings joy to our lives and uh, it just feels like exactly what we're supposed to be doing. And to be able to just have a kid who's in this dark, dark time and they feel alone. I mean, they've been ripped away from everything they've ever known and then um, they're placed into our home and we're able to be that person that loves them and cares about them and stays there when they try pushing us away and helps them know like we're not going anywhere. We are here and we're going to be here. We love you and, and we're gonna get through this together and just helping them heal from the things that they have gone through. Um, there's nothing greater for us. When I was trying to help these kids when I was younger, I would try to take the weight on my shoulders and I learned I have to surrender it to God. Um, there's too many times that like me in the past or anybody, you know, and it happens to me still where I'll put things on my shoulders that are not meant to be there and it weighs me down and I have to, I have to get down on my knees and just surrender it to God. Say, God, like I can't carry this, it's yours. I'm gonna do my part, but I know that the rest is up to you and that's where we've been able to really see the impact is when we just focus on what we feel like God's calling us to do. To learn about Chris and Emily's story, check out their book, The Seven Longest Yards, available at your favorite book retailer today. If you'd like to hear more stories of restoration, check out our interview with author and activist, Centoya Brown Long. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we talk with pastor and former NFL player, Miles McPherson. When we talked with Miles, he shared how important it is to remember in our world that every single person is created in the image of God, and why it's important to also remember that every person we meet is our neighbor. You know, the greatest commandment is to love God with your heart, mind, and soul. And, uh, and the second is just like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So I am biblically obligated to love you as my neighbor. And the Good Samaritan story tells us that everybody's my neighbor. So I have to love you as my neighbor. 
and I have to love you as myself. But if I rename you something less than neighbor, I don't need to love you. You actually give yourself permission to allow them to be mistreated. And so the first thing you can do is say, that's my neighbor. Do you love hearing these stories of faith weekly from people like you whose lives have been changed by a closer walk with God? Then be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Calling Stories of Faith podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a review so that we can reach others with these inspirational stories. And you can also see these interviews on video as part of our original web series, with a new interview premiering every other Sunday on Facebook Live. Find previously broadcast interviews on our YouTube channel, on IGTV, or on JesusCalling.com slash video.